You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with K.W. Jeter. He is the author of the classic novel, Infernal Devices, and arguably the man who created steampunk. Thank you for joining me, K.W. Glad to be here, and uh, it's not arguably. I, I actually did coin the word steampunk. I'd like you to take us back to that time when you were looking at the literature of science fiction. What made you decide to pursue that direction? Well, you know, the, you know we're talking about back in the, in the 80s, and... At that time, I had uh, really um, sort of generated for myself kind of a, a dark, depressing image in, in my fiction. And I had friends like uh, Tim Powers and Jim Blaylock, you know, kind of you know, having a lot of fun doing a, a more lighthearted, humorous type of writing. And I, I was a, a little envious about that. So I wanted to do something that, that was just uh, kind of larky and fun. And, you know, I think back in the 80s especially, there, there was a certain uh, element of political uh, incorrectness to being... Uh, a real enthusiast about Victorian literature, especially the, the kind of obscure parts of it. And so it was kind of a combination of that, wanting to do a, essentially a comedic novel, and at the same time sort of show off some of the good research elements that we all sort of stumbled upon fortuitously back then. And it was really just one of those things where uh, we were having a good time. I was having a good time writing the book. Turned out, I thought, uh, pretty funny. At least I laugh at the, what I think are the funny parts of it. Other people might just laugh at it, period. That was it. It was the motivation to, to do something sort of uh, lighthearted and at the same time you know, get to show off a little bit of historical knowledge. You're currently living in a time that would have been regarded as the province of science fiction back then, and was actually the province of science fiction back then. So I'd like you to talk about um, your experience of these of the intervening years and where you are now, both as a writer and as a, a writer trying to seek publication in an a environment that is, to say the least, challenging. Actually, in a lot of ways, just very recently, the environment has gotten much less challenging. The advent of self-published ebooks is really changing the publishing environment in some ways in very upsetting ways, in some ways very advantageous ways for writers and readers. In, in a lot of ways, we're, we're seeing so-called legacy writers like myself sort of getting their second career or their second wind out of the e-publishing revolution. Even though I've got print books coming out from Tor and St. Martin's, uh, I'm also investing a lot of energy and time into doing some self-published ebooks and some of them are areas of writing that I've never done before like thrillers I've got a like a, a three four book series out available uh, which I call the Kim O thrillers and they're really the first books I've done that don't have a specifically fantastic orientation towards them either science fiction or fantasy or horror and I had a tremendous amount of fun with them at the same time, I knew that I would probably have a, a very challenging time getting them through the, the print publishing uh, environment. But the ebook environment gives me a chance to write exactly what I want to write, publish it exactly the way I want to write it, connect with readers who want those books, and get them out there and just have everything happen in such a quick, satisfying way that, like I said, it's like, it's like a, a second wind or a second career. For, for writers like myself. It's something that I talked to my friend uh, Mike Stackpole about and also uh, Dean Wesley Smith. 
for, for mid-list writers like ourselves, most of our career, what tired us out and what, what made us feel old and sort of depressed wasn't the writing. The writing was always fun. It was having to deal with the with, with the publishing industry that, that would, would take the fun out of it, drain the fun out of what we were doing, and eventually tire us out. All of a sudden, the, the e-book thing, the e-publishing thing has come along, and I'm writing, and my friends like Mike Stackpole and Dean are, are writing at such furious paces. It's like we're all 20 years old again and writing like we did when we were back in college. Each of these uh, Kim O thrillers that I've done, each one I did in two weeks. That's a, you know, it's not a record by any means, but it's a, it's a pretty good clip. And it was the ability to know that I could write exactly what I wanted, publish it as soon as I had it ready, not have to wait years and years to get, to get it published, not have to deal with uh, editorial oversight, all that sort of thing, but just to get it to the, way, to the point where I thought it was as good as it could be and to be able to connect with readers almost instantaneously. That is very vigorous, invigorating, very exciting. And uh, like I was talking to some folks just a little while ago, I envy very much uh, people who are just starting their creative careers now because they're going to spend their entire creative lives in an environment where they're always going to be able to con- uh, connect with their readers and they're always going to be able to be- build up their audience and they're not going to have to try and push it through the, the brick wall of the publishing industry. And that's very, very exciting. We're going to, in, in a lot of ways, what is coming up, we're, we're in the very early stages of, of the e-publishing uh, revolution, but what's coming up is, I'm pretty sure, going to be the real golden age of writing and connecting with our, with our audiences. To me, it sounds like uh, what would have been a science fictional innovation back in your time uh, has actually uh, had a, a, a deep and, and uh, what looks to be a permanent effect on the creative process. It really does. It's, you know, a lot of time is spent among writers and readers talking about the financial aspect of of the publishing revolution. I think I was one of the first people to start uh, commenting upon the, the psychological effect that it's having. And that's where the real revolution is. I think we're going to be looking at an environment that has a lot more immediacy to it, a lot more authenticity to it. It, It's going to be a a lot more raw, a lot less polished, and it's going to be a crazy environment. It's going to, I think, shake things up quite, quite a lot. The style of writing you're talking about, to me, sounds more like the beats than than uh, many uh, than anything else. And, and I'm wondering, uh, as a writer and a reader, who, where do you get draw your influences from, and where do you see yourself going in terms of, you know, further experimentation? How much farther away from where you, you know your core? You're known as a science fiction and a writer in the fantastic, and that's where your sales are, so that's where your writing tendencies have gone thus far. Now you're experimenting in thrillers. Where else might you go, and where, what else might you do? Well, that, that, that's a great thing. I mean, the economics of book publishing is that because of the uh, extremely uh, narrow uh, margins and the editorial oversight and everything, you tend to get shoehorned into whatever you've done before. They, they want you to keep endlessly repeating yourself. It's one of the reasons why Stephen King has talked about, you know, essentially becoming a brand name and becoming a sort of McDonald's burger. And I think that's what, you know, how Stephen King has talked about it. There, yeah, I mean, even for a fantastically successful person or successful writer in the old publishing industry like, like Stephen King or a lot of others at his level, there is a real pressure to keep repeating what you've done already. 
I mean, if I wanted to write a romance novel, I, I, I could do it. I would just you know, do it as a self-published ebook and see what could, what could happen with it. It's really opening up things quite a lot. I mean, you know, the, the, these Kim O thriller novels that, that I've been doing, I mean, they're told in the first person in the voice of, of a 20-year-old female Korean-American. I'm not female. I'm, it's been a long time since I've been 20 years old, and I'm certainly not of a Korean background. And I don't know if I would have been allowed to have that kind of shot with such a crazy idea for a thriller series and been able to get it past the gatekeepers of the publishing industry. So in some ways, it's, it's an environment where really the boundaries fall away very quickly. And if you want to do it, give it a shot and see how it turns out. See if it affects readers the way you, you want it to and you get the feedback that you're looking for. It's a very liberating environment. You know, the music business has been destroyed by, by the Internet. The film business is so terrified that it basically would like to shut down the internet. The publishing business seems to be doing a slightly better job, or at least um, the writers do, and I think that's because of the nature of writing involves so much less production. Yeah. It, there's a, it's a much more, as you say, immediate connection between the writer and the reader. The big advantage that writers have over filmmakers or musicians uh, or a lot of uh, musicians, is that our capital investment is so much lower. I mean, for, for me to write a book, it really all, all I need is a table, a cheap laptop computer, and a cup of coffee, and, and I can be bashing away. Filmmakers have to come up with so much money. There's such an overhead that I think the film industry is justifiably concerned about the impact that the Internet has on their industry. The great thing about, about e-books is, like I said, that the capital investment necessary is, is so small that, you know, if, if, if I can, you know, uh, cover a very, very small initial cost, I can get my book out there. And so, yeah, it, it's an environment that uh, writers have a, a, a huge uh, built-in advantage. Uh, K.W., can, can you give me a quick pre of the three things uh, our listeners should look forward to from you from print and e-books? Okay, uh, this year I should have a book coming out from um, uh, St. Martin's called, was originally titled Grim City, but now that's going to be the, the, the title of the series. The actual title of the, the first book is called Death's Apprentice, and that's from uh, Tor. Kind of a, a dark, action-oriented urban fantasy. I've got the sequel to my uh, early steampunk novel, Infernal Devices, coming out from Tor in 2013. That's uh, called Fiendish Schemes. And then the other things that are coming out are like, they're already out. They're, they're available on uh, Amazon.com for the Kindle and Barnes & Noble for the Nook. And these are these uh, Kim O, uh, o spelled O-H, thriller novels. And I'm uh, pretty happy with those, uh, my first foray into, into kind of thriller novels. Uh, but they're, they're kind of crazy. I've been speaking with K.W. Jeter. He's got three forthcoming novels out. I, I can't wait to see Fiendish Schemes. Thank you for joining me, K.W. Yeah, it's been my real, uh, real pleasure, and I hope you enjoy them. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.